her the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. Tell someone near you, even you. Today I'd like to ask a question. Are there any God-trusters in the house today? Any God-trusters up in here? Are there any God-trusters in the hood? Hood County, amen. Last week we spoke on trust as the key to life and fruitful living. The most significant factor in knowing God and His will for our lives is trusting Him. If you'll trust Him, you'll get to know Him. If you don't trust Him, you won't get to know Him so much. It's a key to growing more fruitful for Him in His kingdom because trust is faith in operation. When you have faith, trust trust is going to happen. We saw the three truths on trusting that God is trustworthy and deserving of our confidence. He has entrusted to us all the blessings we have and we are the trustees or the stewards of everything He has given us. So not only is He trustworthy, but He is trusting. And as He is trusting of us, He enables us to begin to walk where we too become trustworthy. He knows that's a good thing. Amen. And two trust-building thoughts about God is His care is constant and His gifts are generous. We do not understand why everything that happens in life happens. We know man causes some things that happen, but we we don't have the reasons for everything. We're not the judge of all the earth and of all of history. But we do know God cares constantly. He never stops caring, and He hears every prayer. And we know that His gifts are generous because we don't deserve a thing. Who knows that? Anything He gives us, it's His grace. It's not our works. Don't let somebody sell you a bill of goods and say they've got a recipe for a miracle. That if you do all these steps just right, then you'll be worthy of a miracle. You'll never be worthy. It's His love. Amen? He is the recipe. Call on His name. Amen. We saw that life has two trust-testing seasons. And they are adversity and prosperity. And I tell you what, sometimes it is easier to trust him in adversity because you don't have any choice. Amen. Prosperity can have its distractions because you can purchase so many other things to do other than what God's calling you to do. Uh, Prosperity can test, test your faith in that God calls you to share that blessing with somebody else. God, are you sure? Two trust-testing seasons. And we saw God's most important questions for us is do we really trust Him and is He truly our source? We're spinning off that with this sermon today. It was answered in this question. In God we trust. It's on all our money. Some of our coins, they've pushed it off the face of the coin onto the edge. That's called compromise, trying to appease those that don't want it on there. But the fact is, whether it's on our money or not, we are to trust Him. Amen? Amen. The question is, do we today? Are there any God-trusters in the house? There's three facts about trusting God 
These are in your notes, and I'm going to share some scriptures that may not be in the notes, so watch closely. closely. Trusting God and worshiping God go hand in hand. Those who trust Him will worship Him, and those who worship Him will trust. Because as you trust Him, you'll begin to see Him do great things in your life, and that will generate a response of praise and thanksgiving and worship. Amen? If you trust Him for the forgiveness of your sins, you experience that load of guilt taken off of your shoulders. And what can you do in response to that? Thank Him. Thank you, Lord. So trusting and worship go hand in hand. Psalm thirty-three, twenty-one. David said, For our hearts shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. The name of God, and this is especially true because of the Hebrew language, it's because of who God is, He is His name. You trust in His name, you're trusting in who He is. You trust in the name of Jesus, it means Yahweh saves, or Savior. He is Savior. It's not just some name out of a baby book that somebody was cute, somebody thought was cute, and named their little boy. This is who he was and is. He is a Savior. Jehovah Jireh, he is our provision. He's not just a provider, he is the provision. He is the answer to all that we need. And so as we trust him, these things happen and we have a reason to rejoice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, amen? We are redeemed. Job was a person who faced great trial. He didn't know this conversation was going on between God and the devil. If you read the book of Job, Job's in the dark. He doesn't see chapter 40. He doesn't know. He's just in this thing. And he was determined to trust God even if God was at fault for everything. I think too many times we glaze over the story and say, well, it wasn't God, it was the devil, Job was wrong, blah, 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 blah. No, look at the man's faith. Though God slay me, I'm going to trust him. Even if this is God and he's responsible for all this mess, I'm going to trust him anyway. I tell you, that's an example of faith to me. At one point, he's complaining, he's lamenting. He's saying, children run from me. My breath is repulsive. My wife doesn't want to be around me. And in that moment of honesty, as he's writing, he he says these words, oh, I wish that I could write these words somewhere where they'd never be erased. I wish I could write them on stone with a pen of iron. He said these, and then he said these words, I know that my Redeemer lives And in my flesh, I shall see God. He didn't know how his redemption was going to come. But the faith in his heart told him, your Redeemer's alive. Your Redeemer lives. We can apply that to our hearts. You may have a situation. You don't know how it's going to be straightened out. You don't know how it's going to be redeemed. But take heart today. Trust the Redeemer. He's alive. You may not know how healing's going to come. Trust the healer. The healer lives. You may not know how provision is going to come. Trust the provider. The provider lives. He's alive. Amen. Our Redeemer lives. Second fact about trusting God. Trusting in God is a key to being blessed by Him. Nahum prophesied, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. You may not pray the perfect prayer. You may not have... 
prayer uh, down just right, and you may not even be able to pray for an hour yet. But if you're putting your trust in God, He knows it. He knows it. If He knows when a bird dies or a hair falls off your head, He knows when His child trusts Him. He's God. Trusting God is a predicted quality of His people. This has been prophesied about us. And there in your notes, in your bulletin, are some scriptures alluding to this fact. What's not in your bulletin is this verse. Ephesians 1, verse 11 and 12. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. Say inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That we who first trusted in Christ, should be to the praise of His glory. It's our destiny to be people of praise for His glory. And it's trusting in Him is part of it. It's been predestined. It's all here. It's our inheritance. It's our destiny. It's our purpose to trust Him and be to the praise of His glory. There's some things to beware of as God trusters. Wouldn't be fair to just paint a pretty picture and not warn you that there are forces in place that would keep us from being God trusters. Beware of self-confidence. Yes, it's the man in the mirror that can cause us the most problem. Second Corinthians one verse nine ends with these words: "We should not trust in ourselves." but in God who raises the dead. Jesus told the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, uh, uh, the the, uh, tax collector and the Pharisee who went to pray. And he prefaced this parable by saying, there were some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And in that parable, the publican or the tax collector knew he was wicked. He knew he needed forgiveness. The Pharisee was clueless, totally blinded by his self-confidence. Got to beware of our self-confidence. Number two, beware of confidence in the wrong things. Don't put a whole lot of confidence in your friends. David said, even my familiar friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Who knows your friends can let you down? They can. Enjoy the the trustworthiness when it's there, but when it's not there, don't fall apart because ultimately our trust is in the Lord. That's good news for somebody. We don't have to live in shock our whole lives because people are what? Sinners without Jesus. We're all worthy of going to hell. Isaiah said this, chapter 31 of his book, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen, not horse me, horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. God wants us to trust Him. We put our trust in other things. It'll get us off course. You know, Solomon is known as the wisest man that ever lived, and he asked for wisdom with these words, I need wisdom so that I'll know how to enter 
and exit from your presence. I need wisdom to know the protocol of my relationship with you, God. And God gave him so much wisdom that he began to rely on it rather than God. To the point that he began to rely on his treaties to bring peace to his nation. And he began marrying the daughters of kings, princesses, to secure peace on their borders and to to create treaties with their enemies. And before you knew it, he had hundreds of women to keep happy. While he's trying to keep the land peaceful, these women led him astray. And he began to do things that were considered idolatry. He got completely away from worship and not trusting in God. God. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That was part of his own writings, I think, or his father's writings. Trusting in his wisdom. Makes sense, right? You got an enemy that has a good-looking daughter. You don't want that man to be your enemy anymore. Marry his daughter. You got peace, right? He becomes your father-in-law. But think how many father-in-laws he had to keep happy. Man, not to mention the mother-in-laws. <laughs> Things to beware of as God-trusters. Be aware of those who will mock you. Here in your notes is the passage from Matthew 27. They're mocking Jesus and said, He saved others. He himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. You know, people will mock you. Oh, you're a God truster, huh? Look, at, look, look what God's done to you. Enemies of Israel uh, told people during the reign of Hezekiah, don't let him mislead you into trusting God. <laughs> when they mocked Jesus, they literally fulfilled, they were fulfilling this prophecy from Psalm 22 where the person on the cross, Jesus, prophetically through David's experience in his writings, was thinking things like this. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. This is what Jesus made himself for us. All those who seek me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. I don't know if that's some type of insult in other cultures, but stick their tongues out at them. They shake their heads saying... He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. If you trust in God, sooner or later, he's going to lead you to do something that's totally impossible and your kinfolks are not going to understand. They're just not. And they'll mock you. They'll do this kind of thing. So beware. You want to trust God? There can come some tests along the way where mommy's not going to be happy and grandpa's going to be upset. But are you going to obey God or man? It's there. How can I become a God tester? God tester. 
a trust tester. How can I be a God truster? Number one, understand what it means to trust. We're going to trust God. We need to know what this means, don't we? And the 19th century Webster Dictionary says that trust is a verb and a noun. As a verb, it means to place confidence in or to rely on, to believe, or to credit. To commit to the care of, in confidence. To venture confidently, to step out with confidence. To give credit to, to sell in confidence a future payment. To be confident of something present or future. You trust that it's going to happen. To confide in, to place confidence in, to rely on, to depend on, or to have confidence in. Basically to put our confidence in God. That He's going to come through and enable us to do what He's asked asked us to do. You know, when Peter told Jesus as he's walking on the water, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. Peter looks out on that choppy liquid and steps out. And wherever his foot stands, it's solid. Not solid over here or over here. It's solid where his foot steps. And where his next foot steps, it's solid. It's steady. He's holding on. I don't believe he's walking in waist-deep water. I believe he's walking on the water with Jesus. But the Bible says he began to look at the waves. He began to look at the choppy liquid all around him and not looking at the one who gave him the word to come. And his trust faltered. He began to sink. He began to not walk in the steps he was called to walk in. There's a lesson there. The Lord asks us to do things. He will enable us to do it. Well, Lord, that's going to cost a million dollars, right? But what will it cost to get started? $100 or $20? Well, do that. But it's going to be a million dollars. Well, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you can't run with footmen, how can you run with horsemen? Start walking out what he's called you to do. Don't despise a day of small beginnings. Don't, you know. That and I used to have a friend. She was called to all five offices of the five-fold ministry. Too big to clean toilets. Too big for children's ministry. I'm called to great things for God. Yeah, it's all great. Everything's great. Everything's great for God. Do what he's called you to do and find the opportunity to begin doing something in that direction and he will begin to lead you and guide you. He will. He will. He will. Understand what it means to trust. Number two, totally commit my life to his care. Totally. David said, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. The word for commit commit is a Hebrew word, galal, which means to roll. To commit, 
to remove, to roll away, to roll down, to roll together, to run down, to seek occasion, to trust or to wallow. It means take your way and roll it on to the Lord. Cast your cares on Him, Peter said. Put your life on Him. Give Him your concerns. And wallow like a hog in the mud in His care for you. Just, I mean, this is a true holy roller. Someone that will trust in God. And the word trust is the word batak, which means to hurry for refuge. To be confident or sure. To be bold. To be careless. To put confidence. To make to hope or make to trust. Make yourself trust Him. And He will bring it to pass. The book is full of stories after stories after stories. And uh, I encourage you to read the whole book. It's, it's a dangerous thing just to read, j- just to get the book of promises. I think it's a plight on American Christianity. I, I love books of promises and promise boxes on your kitchen table. So, you know, don't anybody think I'm picking on anybody. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. Just, you know, go to any Christian bookstore. You've got books of promises. Well, what's the stuff? What's the rest of this stuff? Just chopped liver? It's the context for those promises. It's the tests those heroes went through that, they, that, that gave them the promises they had. It's the promises that carried them through the storm. Getting ahead of myself. That's... Number three, get to know the God I want to trust. How can I become a God truster? Get to know the one I'm trusting. You know? How can you trust someone enough to become their spouse if you don't know them? Well, somebody prophesied we were supposed to get married. Well, oops. <laughs> that prophecy needed to be judged. You, can't, you cannot trust someone unless you get to know them. And you, you don't have a good marriage if there's not trust. So trust takes time. Trust can be destroyed, but you know what? It can be rebuilt. So for someone to complain, you don't trust me, could very well be the truth. Yeah, I don't trust you. But give me some time and we can build it. We can build it and start over again and have a better marriage than we ever dreamed of having. It's true. Back to my 19th century Webster's Dictionary that Word trust as a noun means confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or the soundness of another. It's a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity of another, the veracity of another, the justice of another, the friendship of another, the soundness of another. Who's the another? God. Putting confidence in his integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, and soundness. He's not nervous. It also means he or that which is the ground of confidence. I'm not trusting in my trust. I'm trusting the one who's worthy of my trust. He's worthy. People might let you down. He won't. Now, 
He doesn't get in a hurry. You can trust that. Get to know the God I want to trust. Begin reading what has been written about him. That's the point I got ahead of myself on a while ago. Begin reading what is written about him. How can you trust him if you don't know him? And how can you know him if you don't begin reading stuff written by those who definitely knew him? Spend time relating to others who know him. There are brothers and sisters in this room, especially those with less hair than I have or whiter hair than you have, that trust God because they've got a history of trusting him and seeing him come through. And share your burdens with them, and they can help you along the way. It's biblical to do that. We live in a culture that worships youth. You know that? Worships youth. And uh, kind of markets itself to junior high kids. I mean, a lot of TV is marketed to the junior high level. They want to get him hooked early, I guess. I don't know. But spend time to, relating to those older than you who have a history with him, who can tell you of a time they faced something similar. Oh, but we live in a different day and different time. That's true. But I'm telling you, I remember the 70s. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways the 70s were as wicked or more wicked than today. I remember downtown Fort Worth in the 70s. Yeah, you didn't want your kids walking around there. Spend time relating to him for myself. Praying, worshiping. For, for yourself, spend time relating to him. We just bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I believe I'm in a room full of God-trusters. And I pray, Lord, that if we are not that, that we would become that starting today, that we would turn our eyes upon you, Lord, and look full in your wonderful face and truly live a life doing things that we would never have dreamed would be possible that you would do with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Shane, can you take it back and put turn your eyes upon Jesus? And we're going to close the service as Shake leads us in this song again.
that person or encourage yourself to turn your eyes on Jesus and roll that care on him. Say, Lord, I trust you with my situation. We say that together today. Lord, I trust you with my situation. I roll it over on you. I cast my care upon you. I put my burden on you, Lord. put my burden on you. I trust you. I trust you. That no matter what happens in this situation, no matter what happens in this situation, you're going to bring me through. You're going to bring me through. His glory and grace and the cares of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace Lord we magnify you today we recognize how big you are and in light of your glorious grand largeness, immensity. In light of that, Lord, I view my problem and I can see you can handle it. (laughs) So I'm going to trust you with it, Lord. Help every person in this room to trust you with their situation, to trust you with their health, to trust you with their business, to trust you with their finances, to trust you with their children, to trust you with their families, to trust you with their issue in the criminal courts. Or the legal system, the civil matters. Lord, we just trust you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God's got you. You know, some people think God has them like this. By the nape of the neck. Just daring them to do something wrong so he can. God's got you in his hands. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you. If you can stay and eat with us, we would love to have you join us. 
Uh, we're going to stack the chairs in these four sections in stacks no higher than five. Amen. And roll out the tables. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. These four sections. In the light of His glory and grace. In the light. Oh, Jesus. 